0: goes another 20 year old. Holy shit, I hate those guys. got hate 20 year Somebody help these 20 It's time to figure it out, Ricky. Don't fucking touch me. Don't touch me. Don't fucking touch me. We're now on the podcast. Uh, we're under threat from uh, our. Okay, we, we, we gave Kev the day off and we have. Uh, a producer filling in that's threatening us from the corner, so we'll see how this podcast goes.
1: Just got to make sure it goes okay. Um, but uh, we're on too many jams. It's a show, but all things twenty-year-old with help from friends, experts, and our own personal experiences. We hope to shed some light on those things that leave our age group lost and confused. And today on the show, we are joined by uh, one of my good buddies, Paolo Campesi. Um, I know very
0: unique name. They, yeah, may I just say super, that
1: super Italian.
0: When I saw that in the uh, in the calendar invite didn't know what to expect anyway we can keep moving on I just wanted to say that
1: <laughs> um, we'll get into well yeah we'll get into talking about Paulo in one second we have a we have a couple things to go through at the beginning and uh, as you all listeners are aware at the beginning of every show we crack a nice cold true history farmer in the sky It's dry hop Pilsner they're taking over all the LCBOs you can get them anywhere pretty much in the city and um, Go out, support support local local brewery.
0: It's one. It's I look forward to it each week because at the moment they are they're selling so much product that uh, we don't we don't actually have a lot of product on stock with the sponsorship. We only have enough for the episodes. So uh, this is like my one time a week where I get a drink It's sponsored. Every other time I gotta put out my bucks for it. So I look forward to this every week. Are these big bucks? Like are these like three fifty a can, or what think are we I think they're, they're two ninety. Or,
1: yeah, I'm not. That's exactly very affordable. Sure like it. How? Hence the sponsorship. We Hence sponsorship we haven't bought. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's true.
2: Great point. Great point. <laughs> so, Notice so, I look like a, a heathen. I just want all that CO two out. I get gassy. No, now you're right. Like,
0: we, you know what? And we'll touch on that later yeah. in the podcast. <laughs> As um, yeah, getting gassy. Uh, but the uh, you're actually right. You're supposed to pour a beer with a big head. Yeah. Uh, it helps. It helps. Stop the burpees. If you uh, haven't seen the video, that producer just is that okay? Is that allowed? Thumbs up. Okay. You gave a wink. Good. Is wink okay or is wink okay? She, uh, she's she's serving as um, the uh, what's what is it called like the censor for the episode? The socially conscious censor. She she uh, she's already held up signs warning us. Uh, so, warning you specifically. Well, me yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, that's. We, no one can hear you on the mic, so I'm, right now I'm arguing with no one in the air. Um, but yeah, she flipped me off. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so these are our companies, our friends' company. Awesome, uh, high yeah. school friends, cool. and we tried it before the sponsorship, and I was like, dude, this is unreal. You have a company, we have a bit of a platform. Honestly, would love to drink this weekly. Yeah, and they they hooked us up, and we just threw a little competition last week. Uh, the True History mystery where uh, we put out a code and uh, people had to decipher the code to figure out where our stickers were downtown. And if you find the stickers, you won a case of True History and a bracelet and a spot on the pod. Sweet. Guess so, who won and, it? Yeah. <laughs> That's Eric, really good. Tell me it's Eric Cohen.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no someone else you would know, though. Uh,
2: we can play this game for a while. Can yeah, I, I get You hints? probably won't get can it. Can I get okay. like three hands?
0: Yes. Someone you know <laughs> Okay, to, has that. all their limbs. Um, male. <laughs> and his nickname uh, is the pearl yeah
1: (laughs) what the pearl i have no idea alex
2: gerlings no
1: dude i didn't know that was his nickname (laughs) that's awesome good for him yeah that's sick (laughs) so funny and it you know what it happened so quickly too it was uh it was maybe like the episode was released to uh like tuesday night as we always do and then uh was it like wednesday during the day yeah i think so Girling sends us a picture of him next to the pole with the farmer in the Hi- Wait, sky stickers. Can we yeah. can
0: we read the clue? Because honestly, yeah. I, was, I was pretty proud of it. I like having it. a recap. This gives me a
2: lot of context. I have no <laughs> so, idea. This so happened.
0: we put out um, we put out like a, a code word in the episode, and in order to to what you had to do is you had to follow True History and DM them the code word, and they would send you this clue back that we wrote, and then that the clue was the location clue. And it was, at the intersection of royalty and education, we honor history and the seasons with concrete and water. Look west and look north, across from a drug dealer and near a house that could be mistaken for soup. There are two North Poles. One holds your prize. That's like a pretty good clue. Yeah, and he figured it out. But once you break it down, it's very easy.
2: Totally, There's a the shopper's drug mart involved. It's probably Boom. on like a north corner. Boom. Obviously, I think it's it was under. a Rexall.
1: Actually, a Rexall, but, well, um, but exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's where you want to think. But like the, fir- the first clue at the beginning there. Like Royal yeah. York and what's the...
0: Royalty and education. Uh, and what's that? That's what I was stumbling with. I didn't yeah. want to
2: do this live and look like an idiot. But thing,
0: it's either uh, it's either that or it's university is education. Wow. College universe. is education. Yeah. There's so many options. Like King and, uni- queen, King and queen. queen are royalty, Royal York. So you piece it together. A house that could be mistaken for soup, Campbell House. It's right at that corner. Mm-hmm. And there's a big war memorial that's got like water spouts and a concrete thing. And then the Four Seasons across the street. It's all in there.
1: Yeah. Sick. It's pretty easy. You know, once you break it down. Once you break it down. <laughs> once you break it down. <laughs>
0: it was, It was. you know, we tried to make it not that hard, but not
1: that easy. You had, you had to earn it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm hey,
2: glad you guys broke it down for me, and I didn't have to
1: do it because that would have taken me a <laughs> yeah, while. Yeah, we don't want to leave you hanging. Thanks, appreciate uh, it. So, congratulations to Alex Girlings on your uh, true—you're the true first Salute. true history minner, oh, true history mystery winner.
0: That's a bit of a tongue twister. It Cheers is. A good, a to Cheers to Girlings. Cheers to Girlings,
1: and we will be in contact uh, with you about setting all this up in the next couple of weeks. So. That's awesome, and then
0: another shout out to our other sponsor, Wrists and Rye, uh, men's jewelry handmade by yours truly. Uh, all the jewelry bits are made by my jeweler, obviously, but I put them together. Um, and uh, just good quality, warranty jewelry for men. And if you use uh, Jams fifteen, you get fifteen percent off. Hey, what's up? Now let's get to the podcast.
1: Let's get into it. So uh, I'll I'll give a little little intro on Paulo here. Yeah, please. Paulo is, uh, we've known each other for quite a long time through camp, yep. um, as you know, a couple of the guests on the show uh, before, and uh, Paulo is, uh, is a Toronto native, and he originally had a background in advertising yep. and marketing, right? Yep. Um, we went to school together at Western for a couple of years um and recently uh sort of connected again i, I, I don't know we like bumped into each other yeah, a we, series of times yeah recently for, right for like over burgers and then yeah. at like events and stuff. yeah and uh you started telling me all about uh paulo just started his own company as well Tight. which i'll let him uh explain once we get to that and uh you know just through posting um some of the some of the clips from the show every week Paulo's uh, reached out to me, like, oh, like I want to come on the show and chat and stuff. So uh, here we are. Paula, yeah. welcome. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
0: I'm excited because I don't know much.
2: Yeah. So I guess I'll give uh, a brief, boring history. Cool. And then you know, you guys can ask some questions and add some color. Perfect. So I got I got super lucky. Um, as you alluded to, I started in advertising, and uh, I met a guy at homecoming at Western in about 2012 and he happened to be the ceo of a pretty big advertising agency and we like had, an adult yeah like adult. coming back from homecoming yeah, yeah got yeah. you got you you know he he was missing some hair a little gray but you know overall still a great drinker Cool, still crushing beers still crushing Love beers man. with the guys um, so yeah it was cool we were just uh, we were just chatting and and i had no no idea who this guy was what he did Um, And we covered a pretty broad range of topics, you know, the things you're not supposed to talk about when you meet strangers, like religion, politics, sex, Uh, and, you know, talked about it all, which was, which cool, like, you know, you get to talk to an older guy who's, you know, uh, smart about, like, politics and business. And yeah, he's like, "Why don't you come work for me?" And at the time, I wanted to be a off a broker. drunk convo. Yeah, yeah, I got I got super lucky on that one. I um, think it was the alcohol talking. I got, it was not articulate. Was
1: this through the fraternity? Was it yeah. a DU? Oh, yeah, there yeah. you
2: go. That, yeah, yeah, that always helps too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, should should add there it was a Delta Upsilon at Western. Robbie Sigma Chi you also Sigma, yeah, Sigma Chi, Chi. Uh, never but yeah. got
0: a job out of it though
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we we it was weird because I I didn't connect with him for about eight months afterwards I, I decided to spend that summer in London working with a guy uh, but you know we we kept in touch on Facebook this was after you graduated uh, this was while I was still at Western while you're still at Western okay still so you spent a summer in, in London in, in London, London yeah In London. Uh, So that was second year going into the, you know, the summer of third year. I was like, I need a professional job. I still wanted to be a stockbroker, work at a bank, all that kind of jazz. Uh, So I hit him up. I was in Toronto for a mining conference. Don't ask. I won't get into it. Uh, (laughs) And then, you know, I show up to this advertising agency.
1: I don't wanna gloss over that couple <laughs> quick questions. Yeah. my what were you doing at a mining conference? Was it like gold? Was it yes. like diamonds? So- or like why were you there? You know, were you <laughs> yeah
2: so Canada uh has you know we're a pretty boring country a lot of people feel like uh, yeah. but we have what's us turn com- to minerals yeah so when it turn- <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to investing Canada Canada has a high risk tolerance for like junior exploration companies looking for gold diamonds copper things like that uh, and that's where a lot of capital markets people get together investment bankers uh, private equity like all those types of folks Um Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, So, yeah, those folks all got together, and I thought it would be a good place to either meet uh, some of the people in investment banking on the buy and sell side and then try to, like, weasel my way in
1: so that's what you originally wanted to get into was yeah. investment banking yeah or some sort of stock stockbroker
2: wealth management i didn't job. really okay. know
1: and is that what you were in school for
2: no i i knew going into western that if i wanted to be a broker or get into the field i would need some sort of business background but it can be pretty loose but yeah. what matters is getting your canadian security certificate and then going through those processes and you don't really need a background you have to pass exams so that was my my way of kind of hacking through it. It's
1: sorry, this <laughs> it's it, you know what it's it's so funny. Just answer it. they speaker. <laughs> Who was it? It's my dad. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm telling you, every single time we, we every time we sit down here, any it could be any day of the week, any we start the podcast, and like clockwork, I get a phone call. During, like sometimes I get five phone calls during this. It's I don't know. It's the most bizarre thing. That's hilarious. So um, yeah,
0: that's, I think I think we've we've been on a hot streak now. Like every podcast for the last like five or six weeks. Yeah, he's gotten a phone call. Maybe for all of them. Like minus like every once like, in a every single in.
1: one. It's crazy. Anyway, they're good.
0: It, it, it breaks up the breaks up. Yeah, the it, it's a, yeah. It's like right when you're in the flow state <laughs> and don't. everyone's focused on telling a story. And there's nothing better than a nice crispy call. Yeah. Well, look,
2: I end up at this conference and I'm in a suit because I want to leave a good impression. But showing up to an internship interview for advertising in a suit, like looking nice and crisp, is not is not the move. Yeah. Uh, One of my uh, this guy ended up becoming a really good friend of mine. Uh, He hated uh, me.
1: Sorry. So, uh, so what? You called him up. And you're like, I want to take I you up scheduled,
2: on that job. Yeah, I had scheduled like kind of ahead of time that I was going to be in Toronto. If we could meet, have an interview, I was inter- uh, interested in an
1: internship. Yeah. Okay, very cool.
2: So yeah, I show up in a suit. I know really nothing about advertising. I was pretty prepared. Like I had an idea of his career history, what the, the agency was about, their values and things like that. But then just kind of showed up and, and had to wing it. I was, you know, not prepared for, you know the type of questions they asked and everything like that. But, you know, did well enough that I I got the internship. uh, And then kind of midway through my internship, I was offered a full-time position.
1: Wicked. Yeah, so it worked out. And uh, this was directly out of school. You yeah. had a job in advertising. Yeah. Which you were. And what was the company? It's called Red Lion. It no
2: longer exists. It got driven into the ground. Uh, I won't go into that because then I'd
1: just be talking
2: <laughs> mad business shit uh, from someone who wouldn't see this podcast. But they don't. they're not worth my time fair. Uh, What what was your role? Yeah. So I started uh, as an intern in strategy and then moved into account service. So client service is kind of exactly how it seems. You're responsible for, you know, managing your client's expectations, but also like high level, the budgeting, you know, the creative process, not actually doing the work, but making sure the work's getting done and then essentially getting it into market. So you're kind of like a Sherpa. You're, you know, carrying the team from point A to point B, making sure that, you know, they're executing on a brief, which is, you know, what sets up, you know, either an at-home campaign or, you know, some sort of advertising material. Uh, so you set that up and then you kind of shepherd the agency and the client through the process.
0: Was, uh, was working in marketing uh, anything like what you expected, like what you'd think you'd see on TV? A lot of, uh, I remember the marketing floor, at one of the companies I used to work at was always a fun floor. Yeah. Like they, had, they always had ping pong tables and like booze. I'm like
1: I'm like, what are they gonna do that? You Even I mean? recently at at um at a sip bar event, it was a bunch of advertising yeah. guys as well. And they were talking about how like classic advertising, like they party hard. Well back yeah. in the day Those it used guys. to
0: be like rock stars. Like advertising was like you have seen Mad Men, like they were like, You gotta sell the stuff, like make that money, like we're gonna do this cool stuff. And like yeah. if you had a big hit, like you would like get famous yeah. from advertising. But I I bet that's what's worn into now, like a little bit of like that energy.
2: Well, accountants took over the industry, so it's not nearly as fun anymore. I'm looking Damn directly at any accountant who's worked at a, a major advertising network. They've ruined all the fun.
1: And how so?
2: Well, it's look. I think there's a lot of changes that have happened in advertising that are good. It's no longer like Mad Men. It's you know it it's a lot. I would say more buttoned down and it's a little leaner. Uh, advertising has become a little more challenged as an industry because it's become less effective, I would yeah. say, overall. So mm-hmm. all of the big names, you know, I was really fortunate to work at J. Walter Thompson, but that agency in Toronto over the last, it's now Wonderman Thompson. Yeah. I would say over the last four years, they lost over half their revenue, had to fire Jeez. more than half their staff.
1: And, and this is because of the progression of just like, um, I guess, you know, people not, watching as much TV and like uh, social media, all social that. media and all this stuff. Right. Yeah.
2: That, that, that definitely plays, plays a part. Uh, I think there's also, you know, misalignments between what management thinks an agency for versus what clients think it's for. And when you have two competing ideas of, you know, what you're trying to achieve, just
0: keep that centered. Yeah.
3: Sorry.
2: When you're, uh, when you have, a misalignment there between a client and an agency it's never going to end up well uh but there's there's a ton of reasons why advertising's in decline it's unfair to just pick on one agency but we've seen it you know across you know big names like ddb or you know uh, bbdo these agencies you know were set up to do tv and print media uh but now to the point you guys are just making most people consume on facebook instagram you know, we consume culture differently, and mm-hmm. a lot of agencies haven't been able to, you know, keep up with the the rapid changes.
0: It it just also seems that um, we've since we've grown up with advertisements, second generation. Like our parents' parents had some radio advertisements, then the TV came out, and that was really powerful. And then our parents grew up with TV advertisements for a full lifetime and then when we came around I think parents were very good at being like yo this is all bullshit. Mm-hmm. So we're an entire generation of skeptical people. Yeah. that need a different type of <clears> advertising. <throat> Cuz like you see an ad now what do you do? Fuck off. You go fuck off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's it's too much of it, right? They're trying to like hit you at every angle so it's like you got ad blockers, YouTube it's like oh I got to wait for this like you know right. and you don't even really pay attention to it. No. There's a lot of
2: I think our expectations as younger consumers have changed. I think product I'll, I'll use the word propositions basically like what makes up, you know, the entire product experience, the way you buy it, how it is presented to presented to you and then actually how that product works. Um, is more important to us than, I would say, brand stories. I think a lot of people still believe in marketing that, you know, you you tell a story around a brand and people will buy it. And to yeah. your, your point, everyone kind of looks at it and calls it bullshit. Look at mattresses, for example. The sales in the mattress category were flat for, for years. Casper rolls around and everyone thinks it's, oh, it's because it's digital. Well, that, you know, they, they actually changed the proposition. The growth in the mattress category came from you know a few different players casper and you know, there's now a bunch of me too products
1: okay can you explain to me quickly the appeal of casper yeah and Andy? We,
0: we talked about the actually on previous okay. episodes because rob bought a mattress in a box from walmart oh yeah
1: uh, no actually well it was from uh it was uh it was Wayfair. From Way- Wayfair, Wayfair.
0: yeah okay. walmart was first you returned that one yeah exactly yeah, Wayfair. And he paid maybe about a third of the price of the Casper mattress. Right. And so we were kind of waiting to see how it would turn out. He's like, I love this mattress. Right. Like, it's amazing. And we were looking into Casper mattresses because they were so expensive, trying to find out what their value was. Right. Same material, same everything. Comes in a box. It was purely just marketing.
1: And the general consensus between us, uh, before we even researched what Casper and Andy were all about, was... Oh, you know, these are kind of the like the new age mattresses. They come in a box like they're cheaper. They're right. targeted towards millennials, you know, but they had no value
0: other than they were good at marketing, but they were just as expensive. They're more.
1: Yeah. So if you look
2: at uh, I've actually so Serda Simmons was a client of mine uh, while I was at an agency. Called, and that's that's
1: a mattress company. Right? Yeah. 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 So.
2: Uh, I've toured their factory they're made in Canada I've seen their foam mattresses and the foam mattress isn't anything new like we used to sleep on those at camp all the time you know how malleable they are they fold into any which way so th- what you guys just just nailed it it was it wasn't the actual product itself. It was how you research, you buy the product that changed it for people. You know, if you look at where Casper's strategy is going today, it's more about, you know, how do we look at their comment section? Everyone's like, oh, have you tried this? Tell me more about it. You know, like people are curious to, to feel it, to touch it, to know if it's actually comfortable. So they actually have to open up retail stores and look at how do we get, you know, physical product in front of people because it's still a pain in the ass to buy something, have it shipped to you, mm-hmm. open it, try yeah. it, and then send it back. Once yeah. that mattress unfolds, it's really difficult to get back oh, in that yeah. box, right? Yeah. So you, you would turn one. Yeah, you yeah. would you would know, right? <laughs> but it you, but to your point, it, it's all about that experience around the product, not necessarily the product itself. What they did was they simplified buying the product and yeah. getting it to you. Yeah. No longer is it something that takes I had, like, to, I had
0: to rent a van. Yeah. To deliver my mattress, really? Eh? Yeah, because it's not a fold-up foam mattress. They don't deliver
1: it's... it to you, like like. Sleep oh, you does. Yeah, you could pay. Uh, you could. Oh, do... you have to pay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sometimes they'll have a promotion for free delivery. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I had to pay, uh, and then it was cheaper to rent a van.
2: So think of how ridiculous it is that you know you have to when we buy anything like pre like cannabis, whatever the things we're going to talk about today. But most products, you research it online. You buy it online, it shows up at your house, and if you need to deliver it, you bring it back to the post office through some sort of, you know, stamp that you get from the company and send it back for free. Right. The entire model of having to go to a store and then someone is going to stand in your way of the purchase. You have a sales associate that's going to try to push you to one product or another based on promotion or commission or something like that. You have to try them out and then you have to wait a week or longer for a delivery guy to come. You gotta pay a hundred bucks for delivery. Then they gotta, you know, like there's so many barriers and so much friction between you and actually making that purchase. Yeah, that It's no wonder that, you know, organically, this company with slick marketing, a really clean brand, and a really simple way to buy their product was successful.
1: So that's- Interesting, and was, was Casper and Andy uh like born at the same time or you know similar
2: I think Endy came after and was almost a Me Too product. I think they just got acquired by like Sleep Country or oh, okay. yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. That makes sense. But yeah. Casper, you know, Casper has done really well. There's an agency that helped them really early on, very well respected, called Red Antler. Um, but you know, when that that brand was built, it wasn't just about a slick logo. It was what are the what's the the modern infrastructure, like the pipes that are going to make. You know marketing to you you know relevant on instagram you know how are you going to convert those people on instagram to buy on a website so it's a really thoughtful process of the entire experience Mm -hmm. not just brand it's you know it's balancing up like path to purchase and you know other factors
1: okay
0: yeah like there's just as much advertising going on and we're just as influenced we're just like you can't fool two generations with the same type of advertising so now our generation we're the ones that are getting influenced by this this new type of marketing that makes us think this has value and you know when we see stuff with our YouTube influencers telling us what to do or our Instagram ads, we're just as influenced the money is still made right there's no short it's not like the economy cut in half just that one advertising company's revenue cut in half. you know what I mean so there is still a form of influence in advertising working somewhere and then it'll take our generation to realize, yeah, figure that one out and then there'll be a, a different form yeah. the next level form.
2: We're shifting dollars around right <laughs> mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day um, there used to be this 80 20 rule uh, where twenty percent would be you know spent on you know idea generation what's the idea production and then the rest was spent on media what I mean by media is like TV ads you know like the actual getting the message out to people. But what we're starting to see more is you know our generation and even you know we've influenced our parents and and the people younger than us we need more content we need to better understand you know what we're buying you know you see the rise of unboxing videos you see the rise of you know influencers those dollars aren't necessarily you know, going away. Companies are still spending them, but they're spending it differently. They're not spending it through traditional channels. Mm -hmm. And that's why the big networks, WPP, Omnicom, Publicis have had some problems because as opposed to that money going through to buy, you know, media space on Rogers, it's going to Robbie Davidson because Robbie has an audience of X on Instagram. Or the kid
0: who makes $20 million a year opening up YouTube boxes. He's eight years old. Opening up, sorry, opening up boxes on YouTube, toys? Yeah, the unboxing, uh, yeah. It's, it's fucked up. He's, the top earner on YouTube is a little boy that opens up presents.
1: Does, do companies put money towards that? Unboxing channels and, like...
2: Yeah, that would be a part of, like, an, in, uh, an influencer. That's partner. insane. because yeah, they would
0: pay him. He would make, and I think that might be 20 million. <laughs> I don't know if that's just off views, but, like... Or if it comes from, I know there's a kid
2: that you're talking about. I don't know the numbers. I can't. I heard it on a podcast
0: the other day,
1: and and that's just money he makes, not to uh, like like uh, not even talking about all the free stuff that he probably gets from just unboxing those. So he gets sent all this stuff, and he makes money on top of that. Because
0: they'll say, "Hey, open our open our gift." but we also will pay you $10,000 to open it because you have X <laughs> x numbers of millions of
1: followers. Imagine right? getting a gift like that. Mm-hmm. Money and a present.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know what? Could you open up our new PC uh, on camera and we'll give you 20 grand? It's like, oh, you know, I had a busy morning. But yeah, all right, yeah, I'll <laughs> now, put that in.
1: Normally charge about 40 or 50 grand, but... <laughs>
0: but uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And it's all, but the thing is, it's all advertising, but... It just seems that we just need more and more real stuff. Like, I'll, I'll still be influenced. I just... It used to be a commercial, sure, but now I want to see someone's face that has a, a platform to lose tell me something's worthwhile. You know what I mean? Because if, if I said this beer is good and you drank it and it's not good, you go, hey, Travis, I know who right. you are. You're a real person. What the fuck? You know yeah. what I mean? Not just an empty commercial where an actor is like, I love... In preparation H from a butthole, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, thanks, actor, you know what I mean?
2: It's 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 interesting, right? I think influencers solve a few problems for for big companies, right? Uh, they're less expensive because a celebrity comes with a lot of baggage you know, they have their lawyers, they have their reps, they have, you know, agents that need to get paid. Plus their own reputation. Yeah. So, you know, it's expensive, right? But then, you know, we look at this podcast, for example, like it's all your equipment. You know, you guys are spending time out of your day to do it. You guys are doing all of the work. You guys are representing yourself doing the contract negotiations and things like that. So you guys are actually capturing some of that money that would go to other people versus, you know, a celebrity that's kind of got a divvy it up but that's what makes i think influencers different and maybe less safe for brands as you know george clooney for example because you know any celebrity can have a meltdown they can say something racist you know all we we've seen this happen mel gibson's a great example um but there's a huge difference between a guy like him and uh uh
0: PewDiePie? PewDiePie. PewDiePie. Big YouTuber, yeah. Yeah,
2: so, you know, guy making, you know, millions of dollars a year, uh, drops some, I I think he's dropped, like, racist and homophobic slurs, and, you know, lost, you know, lost out on a lot of money, and when we see everything around esports. Oh, PewDiePie?
0: Yeah. Oh, I know. I looked into it. He's still making some bank now. No, he he had a contract, and uh, they pulled out because of uh, someone wrote an article, like, Mm -hmm. you know, shaming him for something he did. And uh, so they pulled out of the contract, but because he had a contract, he still got paid. Yeah. And uh, and then when you look back at what the article referenced, they took. Um, he did a skit where he was like making fun of people, uh, and he he had the like a Nazi, whatever Just garb, like, garb not on. Cool. Not cool, but um, not not being actually anti-Semitic, more being like. This is like Nazi Germany, like this, like mm-hmm. making a joke like this is awful, like you're being a Nazi or something like that. And they screen grabbed him in that gar like that outfit. Oh <laughs> shit. And then made an article saying he was anti-Semitic. Right. And then that lost him this deal, but he ended up still getting paid. And uh, it's just crazy that that just one one article like that. And a and a bad screen grab on a guy like that. Yeah. And if you if he sells your product, now your product is anti Semitic. You know what I mean?
1: I read a similar article about and you probably saw this too, about Logan and um Jake Paul. Right. About, about after I mean, you know what happened with that one video, right? Where he Where they in Japan. In they've Japan, had a yeah. lot of they've had a lot of issues. Well well that one in particular lost them I, I forget I forget what it was, like like their their general engagement has dropped, uh, like you know, like they dropped like maybe like two to three hundred million views or subscribers per month or, or so, something. Oh, okay. Like, like something, probably, like probably extreme. Views. Yeah, so it's pro- probably views. Yeah, it's something extremely substantial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just completely washed out their viewership because of that one video for both brothers too. Like, even the one, the one who didn't post the video has talked about how oh, it really? affected him. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But they bounce back, though.
2: These guys also, some of them, you know, if you watch, uh, I think it was Logan Paul or Jake Paul. I can't can't distinguish them. I'm sorry. Uh, But one of them did an interview on Bloomberg, and I was watching it, and it was a complete train wreck. But I'm sitting there as a business guy looking at it and saying, I would never represent my business or what I do like this. Whereas I think some people in his audience would look at that and be like, fuck, that's our boy. That's our boy, like, having fun on you know, on Bloomberg and taking a piss out of it. So, you know, some of it, I think, what was the context of the interview? They, they were just talking about, you know, how he, it was, it was after the issue. I know he had, um, he pissed off the LGBTQ community and, you know, the, the mental health community with the suicide video in, in Japan. So this is after both those incidents, it was sometime, uh, two pretty big like communities this, these days. Yeah. You don't want to, well, just like from one person to another, like you don't want to degrade people or, you know, Like do anything that's going to offend like your friends, your family. So, you know, he did that. But I look back and say, you know, if you're going to go on Bloomberg, which is a pretty serious platform, a lot of really smart people watch it and you're going to you're going to take a laugh out of out of the platform. You know, people that invest in esports or emerging media and emerging tech are gonna look at this and say, "Why the fuck am I investing in this clown?" Yeah. So, versus, oh, this guy's playing to his audience. Like most of us, just take things off first glance, right? We read books by the cover all the time. So when you look at a guy like him, you're like, "Who, who, who's this clown?" he might be a really smart business guy. He might make really savvy investments. We don't know because we're only seeing like one angle of his public persona. So, I mean, you kind of have to take the good with the bad. Uh, But yeah, like like the marketing world has changed and that's what's really led me to focus on what I'm doing with Elemental versus going down this like traditional path of the only solution I have for your business is a TV ad, a print campaign, or a radio spot.
0: Oh, yeah, so that's a, that's a good way to wrap it up because it is it is complex. So you were in advertising. You obviously saw some turmoil there. Uh, you learned a lot, I'm guessing, and you yeah. had a great time, and you had some good mentors, but... How did it kind of wind up, and then how did you get into what you're doing now?
2: Yeah, I don't want to be one of those people that that shit talk advertising or, or anyone specifically in it today, because I think it is still a part of the ecosystem of how we consume. I just don't think it's the same blunt instrument as you kind of alluded to earlier that you know that we've all experienced. You know, when you see the yeah. same TV spot over and over again. Uh, for me, you know, I was always. You know, through my own career, I always wanted to have a bigger influence. And I thought that influence meant, you know, writing TV spots or, or print ads so I could, I could make sure that it would have a bigger impact for a client um, or then, you know, joining a startup agency to do X, Y, and Z. But what I really realized, you know, after, you know, five years was that most of the time our clients are unsuccessful because of the underlying product. You know, when you when you look at some of the things that are being sold on TV or just more broadly, right, you know, you have products that don't align to our values. You know, when we look at, you know, cosmetics that are tested on animals, you know, products that have, you know, things that are carcinogens in them you know, food products that use palm oil, which is devastating, the rainforest. We all look at it and say, you know, there's a reason why certain traditional products are declining in sales, and they're just completely out of line with mm. the way we, the things we value and the way we consume. So I wanted to focus more on products and product propositions, and then show clients how we can take them to market in a different way that adds more value than just coming up with, you know, one solution that costs a quarter million dollars.
0: Yeah. instead so saying, okay, you got a ship product. Um, but here's, I'll take your quarter of a million dollars and I'll get you all these spots. Yeah. And and I know how to do all that, but you, you know, deep down inside that it's, it's really about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this new business you're in is tackling that.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we're a boutique consulting agency. When and we,
1: just, uh, just for anyone who's listening, what's the name of it? It's Again? called
2: Elemental. Yes. Um, Yeah. The website is thisiselemental.co. Check it out. Um, Yeah. So, you know, most most clients, you know, and and it's not about them having to ship product necessarily. It's sometimes, you know, we have a product, it's sold well, but, you know, where do we want to go to next and and how do we get there? And some clients want to move really quickly. Some need to move a little more slowly. Uh, But for us, you know, when when I looked at, you know, launching my own business, knowing that I was going to compete against my former employers at Deloitte, knowing that, you know, KPMG and Accenture, you know, have their own innovation practices. You know, how do we how do we look at this differently was my biggest
0: challenge. So so those consulting companies do have a division that says, okay, like we we like exactly what you just said, like we want to look at how you align with the market on the product side. First, before we advertise? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and, and there's there's different functions.
2: Some are uh, far more strategic and, and high level where others are more practical and they'll prototype and build. Um, but if you look at the industry, there's been a bit of a consolidation between the big four consulting firms making acquisitions You know, like Market Gravity or you, know, you see um, this is an advertising agency that got pulled in, but you look at Droga being acquired by I believe it was... Um, you know was it it doesn't matter who acquired Yeah, our them. listeners would have no yeah, idea it you does, could say words yeah. it was
0: a droga acquired yeah. by uh, Bluga. doesn't matter but yeah that's the <laughs> the trend now is yeah,
2: the trend now is you know how do you how do you bring these things in house because you know the the jury is you know, still out, they're trying to figure it out, but what we're seeing is this type of work, this type of consulting practice is having an outsized return for clients depending on how it's executed. When they're looking at it from going, hey, what's this idea to how does it get in market? You can have a really profound impact on a client's business and that's what I'm more excited on. I'm tired of... you know, I, I had this really wonderful opportunity to launch Hotels.com in Canada and i knew fundamentally that the amount of money we were spending and how we were going to spend it and this is when i was r- like this is with elemental this is uh when i was at uh, j walter thompson okay. yeah okay. you know there was something inside of me where i knew we mm-hmm. weren't going to actually land for our client and when you look at a digital business that most people spend you know when you guys book travel you're doing it all online mm-hmm. and you know you're checking multiple sites and our solution as an agency was, you know, TV, radio, and at of home, I'm sitting there like, we're so
1: fucking out of touch with our customer. And, and uh, when they approached you guys, what was their, like, what was their pitch to you guys? Like, what did they want? Well,
2: Yeah, we had to pitch them, but they were looking to relaunch Hotels.com in Canada. And they had a media partner that was going to book them TV and sponsorships and all this traditional stuff. And, you know, Hotels.com is a great product. It's got a great loyalty program. It's pretty easy to use. The inventory is the same across other Expedia properties. But I was sitting there, you know, I I got to fly to Spain and, and do amazing stuff with this business. but. You know, in the back of my head, I'm like, if four TV spots going to move the needle and help these guys sell more, you know, the, the idea that, you know, all of us consume travel content digitally and that's where our path to purchase is, it doesn't make sense to try to create brand recall or loyalty or sentiment, you know, on TV. So mm-hmm. that was one of the things I struggled with. And, and it was an example that I think is important to me. I have dozens of these, you know, over the course of my career. Uh, but that was one where, you know, the stakes were pretty high based on, you know, how much money we were spending.
1: And did hotels.com end up going with that traditional pitch that you, or, or sorry, yeah. that tr- traditional method that you just mentioned? Yeah. Well, because yeah.
0: probably everyone was saying the same thing.
1: They were. Uh, which is
0: probably why you have a business now. Like, I'm assuming the reason you have a business now when these companies you just named still exist is because whatever it is, there's a little bit of a a misalignment where they have a management structure of people that aren't quite in touch with the ground level. But in this day and age, you can start a ground level consulting company. If you just know more than that person, you don't need the whole back office that they have. And so with elemental, um, how long have you been running it?
2: Yeah, so uh, I left Deloitte at the end of January. So Feb first was uh, my first day. Kind of, you left with
0: the out. intention of starting a business. You're like, I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm starting a business. Yeah. Um, and then just you partners.
2: Yeah. So started it myself, and our model again, trying to find ways to be competitive with you know larger firms was really around. Okay, how do I leverage? You know, Toronto especially and Canada has, you know, great production resources, great creative talent, uh, and a lot of them are freelance. So as opposed to looking at it and saying, you know, I have a 200 person staff, you know, that costs tens of millions of dollars just to keep around. Yeah, overhead. Yeah. Overhead. You know, how do how do I run a consultancy? And for me, you know, I've built up this network in my professional life but there's other you know HR consultancies that have rosters of freelance talent with 10 15 mm-hmm. 20 years of experience so i sit there saying you know as opposed to you know a deloitte analyst that's you know straight out of school could be really smart if you're going to pay you know $200 $150 an hour for them why don't i find someone with 10 years of experience i will probably end up charging 150 200 300 for their time but, you know, that person is actually going to deliver quality work, has the experience in the category, and it's not someone just sitting on a bench waiting for it.
0: No, I like I totally understand the idea. Um, I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised consulting hasn't got there yet or even advertising, because um, if you really thought about it, if you and I wanted to advertise right now and we're like, hey, we want a digital we want a guy who does great uh, Facebook placements. I could go on Upwork, I could go on one of these freelance sites and find that guy. If you have a network of all of, or that girl, if you have a network of all of these people that have, you know, you're bringing the business, they have allegiances to you, you've vetted them, tested them, and you can save all the overhead of when you don't have work, and I really like the concept, but how how do you go about landing that first client? How do you, like, what did you do to get that first dollar?
2: Man, it took a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine. Know, I'd, I'd, run, I'd run business development at a startup agency, had been a part of it at Publicis and, and J. Walter Thompson. So, you know, for me, there was always RFPs. There was always stuff in the funnel. Whether you want it or not was another story. But then I had to start sourcing it myself. Uh, and a lot of it came from leveraging. What's, sorry, what's RFP? A request for a proposal. So there's different terms you can use request for proposal, request for information. Um, there's and
0: this is from from people that would potentially hire yeah, you clients. And you, and yeah. you sent yeah. it out. Okay. Yeah. So
2: they'll ask for qualifications yeah. or just general kind of information, it'll take you through this process. Uh, but for me, it, it really I started hitting up my professional network of you know former clients asking for their advice. They gave me amazing advice of you know how to how to talk about our business and, and what we're trying to do. Uh, but then also, you know, they threw me. Me a bone. They would throw me, you know, an, an RFP, have the ability to pitch on it, or say, "Hey, let me introduce you to someone,"
1: you know, either a small, medium-sized business, something like that. Speaking of that, uh, I just want to mention. So, uh, was it was it last week, or was it was it two weeks ago that, that you were supposed to come on the show? Uh, I think two weeks ago. T- two weeks ago, paula was supposed to come on the show. Um, and I think last minute you probably yeah. got an RFP, right? Yeah. So okay. I can't, I
2: can't say which client it is because we're okay. still, we're still talking, but yeah. I wanted to ask how that went. Uh, it went really well. Um, so I had a, a meeting at their, their head office with uh, two of their senior brand managers um, who are working on their 2020 strategy and they're in a heavily regulated industry. They have, you know, a lot of um, kind of riding on, you know, growing their business, and they said, "Okay, here's what we're trying to do. Go through, you know, with that in mind, go through your business, your experience, and explain how we can work together." And then they asked a bunch of different questions, and some of them I felt like were traps. They were asking me, you know, uh, to, you know, some of the top points we're talking about, like how much do you allocate to digital? And you know, when you're in a meeting, a lot of people just want to, you know, say what the answer is or what they think the best answer is. And quite honestly, I don't know. And there's a lot of confidence in saying to someone when you're pitching them that you don't know, because I sit back and say, what is our process? How do we actually find out what that solution is for a client? And, you know, I kind of walked through some of their questions and gave them how I would answer that, you know, that question, if we were actually going to move forward. And and I think they respected that. And we're, we're going to move forward. We're setting up a, a meeting either this week or next to talk next steps and, and what that looks like.
0: So just... Basically, um, to get your first client, you just refined. You use your networks, and and yeah. you you really leaned on them as people should when they're starting a business. Yeah. And uh, you just took each RFP as a learning yeah you figured out why they didn't choose you
2: Yeah, so I, I actually avoided a lot of RFPs so w- I would say that the majority of my pipeline came from referrals okay. because RFPs are pretty labor-intensive some of them could be you know 10 20 30 40 pages of like a questionnaire um, Before so they've
0: even hired you yeah, yeah
2: so I spent a lot of time you know going out for coffees beers dinners you know meeting potential clients you know kind of working my network and going from there my first client was a small health Healthcare holding company that I met through an investor for you know a different business that I'm, I'm working on so and
1: can, can you talk about the projects that you did with them a little bit Yeah. Like- so
2: yeah they were they were looking to raise uh, money through capital markets a private placement um, and they had this company that you know it owns real estate assets they're in um, you know the mental health and addiction space, uh, treating in the United States. Um, but if you if you looked at this business on paper, you didn't get that it would be something that you wanted to invest your money in. It wasn't. You know, it didn't look like a healthcare company. It was dated. It was using you know like a design that you would you know look from like the early '90s, right? Um, so. Our, our first task was aligning what that business should look like for, you know, the expectations of the audience being investors so that they'd be confident that, you know, this is a modern company. It looks like it belongs in the space. Uh, and then second was to help them. They had a lot of content around what their you know, their offering was what they were looking to do. So we took that content and refined it a bit, but mostly like laid it out in a simple presentation that, you know, people could say, okay, what's the ask you're asking for $2 million? And, you know, and then set up the story of why you're going to give this company $2 million and how it's going to be used for. So it was, you know, a four to five week
1: engagement uh, where we did like a full rebrand and then built that content for them. And is that a pretty standard time length engagement between uh between companies or clients or does it really depend on what the sort of they're asking for and
2: yeah no it completely depends on what they're asking for um and it also depends on on how you staff it i have some clients that you know can't afford you know $40,000 $40,000 to spend in one month, but they can afford 10000 over four months just based on their cash flows. So we have to find, you know, and that's if we're working with small to small businesses. Uh, when we start scaling up and work into enterprise, you know, I could have a team of four people, uh, myself included, working dedicated, you know, five days a week for, you know, six days weeks and accomplish, you know, quite a bit of work. Um, When I was at Deloitte uh, for, you know, um, I would say Alberta cannabis, for example, I was kind of bouncing in uh, here and there, but they had a team of three people dedicated. Uh, The head of design was jumping in as well. Uh, But we worked out of the AGLC offices for, you know, uh, four or five weeks and just, you know, got it done. Working hand in hand with the client, they were able to come into the office because we were working out of their office. Um, and oh, see, we'll come to my office. Yeah. It's in your office. Yeah. So that works out. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then from there, you know, people, you know, people would come in and you'd get that feedback immediately. You know, what do you think of this? How are we challenging this pro, uh, problem? And then, you know, that instant feedback and then being able to, you know, bring senior leadership in and show them the progress every week, I think was, you know, that led to some of the success and I made sure I wanted to take what I learned from doing projects at Deloitte like that and and bring that to what we're doing at Elemental.
0: So I really like it. Again, another, you're eliminating the overhead of even having an office because when a project comes around, you use their existing, they're saving money. They have an office for you. They have one. Every company that owns an office building has an office for you to work out of and they're saving that money. They're getting more utilization out of their space. They're getting a more, uh, effective connection with the person doing the, the marketing for them and they're saving the dollars they'd have to pay you to float your overhead, to float your staff. It's, right. it's a really cool idea. Um, and I just want to, so it's obvious that you gained your experience through work in advertising, working in mm-hmm. um, at Deloitte and consulting and all that. And you built, you figured out what you liked, what worked, what didn't work and you went beyond that. But still even saying all that and having a great idea uh, like you, like you mm-hmm. laid out, it's still almost impossible for the average person to comprehend yeah. starting that company. Uh, and you said, you, you said this before the interview and you just s- said it there that how much you leaned on networking. Um, as you, have you always been good at networking? Cause a, a lot of people aren't It's something I struggle with, Yeah, but has that always, always been in your tool belt? No, it's it's something that I've had to develop
2: over time. And I mean, I've I've changed so much I look at you know from when Robbie and I were at Western I was probably you know like 18 19 20 years old to where I'm now I'm turning 30 next week so I'm glad I got onto the podcast wow. got into the podcast uh
1: just under the <laughs> under the limit there I was gonna make a comment I saw the Facebook and yeah like, yeah uh... no I
2: hope you boys come out it'll be a, <laughs> it'll be a good time but you know it, it was something you have to work on right um you know as I was younger I was notorious for, you know, jumping in and trying to have the answer and just, you know, using, you know, diction and syntax to make me look smart as opposed to, you know, keeping it simple. Right. Um, It's it's a challenge. You are
1: you are a well-spoken person. That's
2: really kind of you to say. It's very (laughs) kind. Thank you. Um, But yeah, like I look at I look at myself and my experience and I think I am a product of. You know, the success of my parents sending me to a summer camp that afforded me that, you know, even though I paid my fraternity dues myself, that, you know, they helped me through school. So I was able to do that and experience that. You know, my my success is my parents' success, right? My parents sacrificed so much for, for myself, my sisters to to have these experiences because they knew, yeah, we can we can have the smartest kids in the world. But, you know, we have to help them get advantages and that those advantages are going to come from meeting people and having experiences. When, you know, we look at, you know, the alumni that kind of come out of our era of Kilku, like on either end, you have some guides younger than us that are super successful doing some things and you have other guys that you know are super successful like you know either in you know finance or you know entrepreneurship whatever those things are um and we're you know we're a network of guys like being a part of that having that shared experience same thing for the fraternity right being a kilku alumni being a delta Upsilon, being a sigma chi those comes with privileges and you gotta you gotta understand that you have to recognize that and, you know, I try to open doors, you know, if someone is looking for mentorship, career advice, look at the resume, whatever you got to give back. But I think it's, it's something you have to work on. It just doesn't come naturally. You could be, you know, a social dud. And then, you know, in four years through university, become a rock star, mm-hmm. you know, but that's all experience. It's all repetition, right? And, you know, it, it, it just doesn't come naturally for anyone. And you just got to recognize how those, those different pieces all came together for you.
0: Well, the thing is, is, um, the the re- the reason I struggle with networking, the reason I ask about it is because I still don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm fortunate, like you said, to have a lot of those things you you said, uh, and it's built a good network. Right. So I know a, I know a lot of people, and that's afforded me the ability to know some people pretty close that I've gotten into things that can help us out. But beyond that, or or people on the fringe of maybe my close network. Um, I have a really hard time networking because I feel like I don't even understand what I need from them, mm-hmm. what to ask, or and then I, and then I have so many relationships that I have a hard time figuring out. Okay, then is this even genuine? Holding a relationship with them if I just want something, or right. and I, I struggle with all these things, but I know it's not the case because I know good networkers. Uh, they kind of maneuver it fine they they don't they don't no one feels like they're pestering them or keeping friendships or or con- points of contact for just their own personal gain it's usually always a two-way street but i just i never see the angle that they hit it from i never feel comfortable doing it and where did you start did was it one day where you like okay i'm just going to try to uh, make a list of the people I know and, and that I need advice from and right. ask them or like, what was, you know what I mean? Like, what was step one? Was it, did you have an intention or did it just kind of develop?
2: Look, I think it, it, I, day one was Kilku camp where, you know, David Latimer sits up there and he goes, look, when you meet someone's parents and you're on your bunk, you stand up, you take off your sunglasses, you look them straight in the eye, you reach out your hand and you shake their hand and say, hi, I'm so-and-so nice to meet you. You know I Robbie and I grew up in an environment where being I wouldn't say I wouldn't say masculine but I would say almost like gentleman or like this like how to strive to be like a respectable person person was, yeah. Was, yeah. was something that was in there. And and that, that I think was the basis for me. And then it was all trial and error. I'll give you an example. So, you know, b- being in the fraternity, all the guys are close, shared values. You'll pretty much do anything for these guys. And I got reached out to by a brother who just sent me a copy and pasted, you know, message on Facebook, misspelled my name, and was like, hey man, I'm selling like real estate. Like, would love to like chat with you about this opportunity and right. shit like that. Like, that's the wrong way to go about yeah, 100%. it. And, like 100 percent, right? It's yeah. like, dude, I've known you for you know over five years. Like, you used to sleep on my couch in the in the house. You oh, this to, wasn't like,
1: just like through like sort of a fraternity network. No, no, no. This this was, like, this a was like a bud. Yeah, this
2: is like a guy I knew. Yeah. Um. So that was disappointing. But I look at, you know, all the other guys and, you know, the way they approach it, you know, a lot of them just ask questions. They say, Hey, you know, Paolo, I know you're really well connected in the fraternity. I'm nervous to reach out to so-and-so. Can you give me some tips on what I should ask? Like, here's what I'm thinking. And I always challenge, like if someone comes to me for advice, it's like, you know, what, what, what is it you want out of this situation or how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Um, there was this guy at Deloitte and I loved the way he would handle like the L, end of meetings or like some of these like sales pitches with clients are like, what do you need from us? And that's something, you know, you, you, you ask a client, but you also got to ask like the people around you, like, how can I help you or what do hmm. you need? Um, and, and just coming from it that, you know, you don't know the answer, don't assume anything. It's, it's how you take that concept of don't assume anything and put it into practice that, you know, I still struggle with daily. Right. But it, it it's something that if I remember, you know, kind of helps me through. It's you know asking your network or the people you respect around you how how you can you know succeed like them or what are the things that you can do to you know get that experience. So you
0: were looking at people that uh, have achieved the either the exact thing or something similar to what you want, and said you know and then you asked them advice. So like for us, it would be an example of looking through our connections. And finding the people that say it's tougher for us again. Not we don't know many uh, rock star podcasters, but um, <laughs> but it'd be, it'd be an example market. of maybe finding someone that yeah. had a successful podcast. And my question is, you know, how loose of a connection were you comfortable going after? How like far reaching did you like? Did you ever see someone like, oh, I really think that's a person, but you, the only connection we have is that. Um, he went to du like 20 years back or whatever yeah and and would you still craft a way to reach out to that person Mm -hmm. or would you build a bridge to them
2: i think i have three examples okay um two very recent and then i might forget the third so one of you remind me if we trail off um so uh rich greenfield uh he's an analyst new media technology very big on twitter uh i follow him i i like all his content i i comment on it i i think he's brilliant and so are the the team around him um starting his new venture you know before i knew this you know, i was just a really big fan and i happened to be going to new york um for you know four or five days and uh, I sent him a note and I said on Twitter I'm like hey Rich I'm going to be in New York like these days if you're in town I'd love to grab a coffee and pick your brain here are some of the things I want to talk
1: about and you had no prior communication or introduction
2: other than than social media we I think we followed each other Um, he would post some stuff I would comment on it I would sometimes write an article of why I think he was right or why he think Mm -hmm. like he was wrong I would tag him in it
0: yeah so you did some pre-work that showed you were a person and the, a value that, that cared about what he did and that was in the industry with, with no intention of ever meeting this right. guy, mm-hmm. it was just something I
2: was, do, I, was, yeah. I was doing. Uh, mm-hmm. and then you know, and like, is this
1: guy pretty well known across, uh, he's on across C- North America? Yeah, yeah he's and, on
2: CNBC like pretty, pretty, oh, reg- wow. yeah, like pretty regularly.
1: Um,
2: that okay, I actually have a few more examples.
1: So, so, well, well, so anyways, continue with this one. So, you, you sent yeah. him a note, you're coming to New York, yeah and uh he's
2: like great um we we then exchanged emails so i can get it in his calendar like again know your audience right like mm-hmm. you're, you're talking to someone at an investment bank you know they live and die by outlook like get get something in their calendars yeah. and you know obviously i'm asking for his time so you know i'm making sure i'm there you know 15 minutes early you know making sure i i ask him ahead of time hey can i grab you a coffee oh no you want a tea what kind of tea do you want like you know what i mean just yep. trying to you know, kind of, and then and then we sat down for I think 45 minutes an hour and just talked about, you know, new media. He, you know, he had some really interesting questions. Wanted my perspective as you know an ex ad guy as a consultant where I thought things were going. And you know, we just talked as you know two guys. Like I felt like I knew him personally from that. And
0: you know, it's I it, really like that that one because yeah. mm-hmm. all you did was just genuinely interact with him. Like, and he's he's someone that's probably more out of reach than most people because of his his platform. And you're just like you just genuinely appreciated his advice. Wrote some thoughtful stuff. He and he's a real person, just like anyone else. And he sees that you're a real
1: person through your interaction. And he's just like, yeah, I'm down to chat. Yeah. And we've had a guy on the show previously, Blake Flyshacker, who. Uh, th- kind of this is this is his what, sort of what he's all about and what he preaches and what he talks about is simple yeah. sort of uh you know kind thank yous and uh introductions. His whole thing and is if you're thinking back,
0: about someone, message them. Yeah. Um, and he just says that that generally goes a long way. And you know you just literally like last week you will just get a message from him and he's just like hey, we did a podcast this time next year, thinking of you. Yeah. Uh, what's what's new in your world this week? What's big? And like, that's a guy that we haven't talked in almost a year. And if he asked for something tomorrow, I'd give it to him. Just because, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's just a good dude. Yeah. Same deal on a, on a larger scale when he has a platform. Maybe you had to go a little bit above and beyond. Again, not intentionally. Right. But you're an active person engaging in what you're interested in. Right. You showed him that you had value, not on purpose. Yeah. But same thing, if, if, if we wanted help from somebody with a little bit of a platform, it's about that person's got to see that you're worth their time because they're sure. the people are willing to help i think
1: so and i think this is something that we're actually kind of struggling with over the last uh over the last little while or maybe not struggling but you know just uh thinking about you know how we can sort of take our podcast to the next level because we we want to go after maybe some higher profile mm-hmm. people that will bring a bit of an audience you know to right continue the growth of our podcast overall right so
2: Look, I think there's there's two things there. I have a personal example for myself, kind of putting myself out there, and mm-hmm. then one um, where someone else did. I'm not going to use his name because people will light him up on LinkedIn. Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I was I was at this conference, and uh, a VP of a very large multinational company is giving this you know kind of intimate talk. It's a group of like 15 people, 20 yep. people, and he he just casually drops this line where he's like, "Look, I host you know unstructured talks." and uh, you know i get on the phone with you know people outside my industry people in it you know different different verticals uh just to you know talk learn about their experience and and you know that kind of jazz um so after that you know that like intimate you know kind of working session i walked up i introduced myself and said you know hey man like i would love the opportunity to you know chat with you and If if that's okay like i'll send you an email so he gives me his assistance email uh we start corresponding and we've had two or three of these chats and you know we'll talk on a thursday and i'll follow up with something that oh scott said this i saw an article like here's so and so and then you know i send that to him and then on saturday morning that guy must be reading it because i'm getting you know a response from him saying hey i really appreciated that that was that was great thanks for sharing um, you know, that, that was something I, I, you know, I took from someone offering that, but I've had the opportunity, uh, two times to go to the Rotman marketing, uh, association. Um, they did like an agency after dark thing and it's, it's all these undergrad students talking about, but well, we're talking to them about, you know, careers in advertising or consulting, how they can get into it, tips and tricks, things like that. And I always tell every group, I said, listen, you can find me on Twitter pretty easily. You can find me on LinkedIn, reach out and You know, if you're looking to have a coffee, a beer, whatever, let me know and we'll chat. Like I got that mentorship from very senior people in advertising. The Mm -hmm. least I can do is offer that to like the kids who wanna wanna join this industry and contribute. And you know, most times I'm only getting two or three kids that are coming up and saying, hey. Can we can we have a coffee? Can we, you know, go out I'd life? And you know, and the, the nicest thing is this is just a pro tip for for the youth out there. Don't don't offer to buy me a coffee or a beer like I'm an adult now working. Like I know what it's like to be a starving student. I will buy you a coffee or a beer or a whole meal. It's yeah. fine. It's really like it's really generous and I love it, but it's on us to give back. And and for me, you know, I look at that and say, you know, how can, how can I, you know, quite selfishly, like I want to find talent. I want to know who's out there. That's good. But I also look to my network and say, you know, I have friends at a bunch of different agencies. I have friends that have been at agencies and are now client side. If I meet a smart kid and I can't help them out, maybe one of my friends can. And again, it's, it's really just about being conscious about how you can help other people out and give back. Um, But one person I will, I will kind of uh, shout out to is Scott Galloway. Um, who ran a really, you know, big, uh, big consultancy called L2. Or I say big; it was probably you know fifty, hundred people, whatever. But had a really outsized impact. You know, getting you know hundreds of thousands of views. He's now got a podcast with Kara Swisher on Recode, um, and now he's launching another venture called Section Four. This guy engages with his audience. He talks one on one, very real to them and you know it's one of those things where you know if you wanted to reach out you know it's actually him because he'll tweet back something real at you um so if if you guys you know i know you guys do that but i think just if if my advice to like how do you guys scale Mm -hmm. it's 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 the same thing we we heard in a fraternity you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get out what you put in. Just keep putting in and investing in those relationships because it doesn't matter. You know, my cl- my former clients doesn't matter if they like I worked with them for two weeks, a month, a year. All these people that I had, you know, real connections mm-hmm. with and and maintained them are the ones that are messaging me saying, "Hey, I know you're doing this thing. Talk to this person or or whatever." Some of it's unprompted or unsolicited, um, but these people want to help me now because you know we're we're more than just colleagues or acquaintances or whatever. We're now, we're friends.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. There's always, that answer it. Yeah. There's always, there's always when we do these podcasts and we like, we generally do wing it. Like we have an idea of what you do and how it's going to go, but there's always usually I find one or two things that no matter what the person is doing, they seem to know more about or it's their thing. It's like, it's like one of their things on, on how they got ahead. Obviously yours is an insight into the marketing world and networking and, um, I think networking is, it's like one of the most talked about, but also one of the least talked about things. I would agree for with a gen- that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everyone says, yeah, it's, it's all about network. And then everyone will nod their head but then no, we'll all no go our actually, way
1: and not fucking network. Yeah. And no one will actually give as much insight. And, and, and that's the thing I, I really like about your personality and what kind of what you're doing uh, and what you base your whole sort of professional life off of is that not, you're you're so invested. I mean, you can see you, you have a passion for you know advertising and learning, and uh, you know sort of the whole market in general. But you're also just as focused on giving back, whether it's like through these uh, seminars that you that you were talking about at Rotman, or just you know. Opening the doors for people to come in and speak with you because that's you, you see just as much importance in that
0: Well, a lot of people are like him uh, most most successful people uh, Will help yeah, the more successful they are obviously probably the more you have to show that you're a valuable Person to help because they, they won't give their time to just anybody I think what what gets in our way and it gets gets in a lot of people's way is They see a lot of the people that do reach out and network are like the guy that send you that that real estate message Mm -hmm. and they're afraid that they're going to get lumped in with that guy. And that, um, you know, I don't want to be associated with someone who, you know, creates that effect for the people they reach out to. So you go too far in the cool direction, like, no, we'll just figure it out. You know, we'll just, we'll just figure it out over here. When there's somebody out there that not only could help us advance a lot quicker, would be happy to, Mm-hmm. And it's just like like it's easy for them. It's just as like it's it's easy for you to help. You already have the knowledge. You're giving, uh, you know, maybe a thirty minute speech. You're, you're like, you know what? It's not that hard. It's not like you had to, to go read a textbook to do it. You're just giving your experience to people, and uh, it's providing a lot more value to them than the amount of time it took you to give it to them. And it's just because you've lived it. You're you're a bit older. You've 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 gone through it, and I think it's like we everyone talks about this and everyone listening right now is probably agreeing with what i'm saying but yet we'll still not start to network so i always no. and and i always loop back to this on the podcast here's an answer here's a key let's highlight it mm-hmm. networking is a key and uh, there's a bunch of other keys we've highlighted and then i always ask a question okay like why don't people <laughs> Why don't it's we do a comfort it? zone thing? It's always it always goes back to comfort zone. It always goes back to mentality and what you believe in getting in your own way. Like, like not everyone, like not everyone is cut out to
2: be the CEO of a business or an entrepreneur or any of these things, right? And right. I, and I think those are really aspirational goals. If you if you have them, that's amazing. I think you know for myself, like this is me putting my money where my mouth is. I'm very fortunate that you know if if shit goes sideways. You know, like, my, my family's a backstop. I can take those risks. Like, I'm not coming here saying it's, you know, 100% me and, you know, this is this is on my own grit. But, you know, it it is to some extent, like, what do you want to put into it? Like, right. if you, you know, a lot of people like talking about entrepreneurship or hustle and hustle porn but they have zero that's a good term zero zero idea of like what it actually takes like you know like it sucks when like you can't make payroll and pay yourself and pay someone who came on because like a client hasn't paid an invoice and that's that shit i had to deal with and that doesn't make me feel good like you know there is no there's no substitute for like the hard work and determination um but like the people around you like if you got to take it on yourself. Like there's always going to be opportunity to point a finger and say, this is why something didn't happen. And we can always look at it at our own success and say, Oh, that was all me without looking at it and saying it was the market or I just got lucky or things like that. So I think like as much as you can stay humble, as much as you can look at the people around you and say, not what can I like get out of them? Like that's obviously something that's going to happen from your network, but what can you give back? That mentality goes, you know, way further than you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cold call 300 people. Mm. Like, fuck mm. that. Like, if I, if I spent, I would still be on that 300 people list and
0: get nowhere. I, and I, or, as she's making a list over there of people to cold call. <laughs> <laughs> and I,
1: I think, I think uh, the important takeaway from that is that when you ask yourself that question, it makes you value what you have to offer right. in terms of the engagement. Right and uh another point that sort of uh, this this always pops up in my head but i always i always think of that one guy at um at that uh what was that conference Eli brought us to um gary v it, it was it was some sort of gary v chat right gary v's jokes i like gary v <laughs> but but anyways Kinda. there there was this kid there that has his has his podcast and i think it, what he emailed him Every week for like a year, or email assistant yeah. until he finally came on his show, and now this kid is getting like people that he wants on his show because he's yeah. you know he's you got a Gary high profile. V, you know,
0: he's getting all these big name slabs. And, yeah. and it's not like to say like, not to say that cold calling won't work for some type of sales, but when right. you're talking about personal, right, like making a connection, making, making getting a mentor, you're not gonna right. cold call a mentor. Um, and I think with this kid, even though it seems like a cold call. He's emailing Gary week right. after week after week. Behind that email must have been value. It must have been, hey, I'm a young kid with a podcast. I love you. All I want to do is talk to you right. every week, please. Like, like, I just want to be a successful podcaster, entrepreneur. You know, there was some value there. Right. I, I don't know what was in his emails, but it couldn't have just been, hey, hey, hey.
2: Look, if, if we, if we take you guys as the example, I'd start with, you know, what is your vision? What do you want to achieve? And, and you start using that as your back, like you, you build out from there, right? You know, like if, if you guys know where you want to be long-term, it's, you know, your, your course is going to go through, you know, all these different things, but as long as you're moving forward, as long as you're, you know, kind of moving in, in one direction, you know, that's that's where the the real value is. If you if you just sit there and you never execute on your ideas, you don't take the chance. Like You're never, never going to get far. So like I would challenge you guys and I'd be happy to do this pro bono for you boys. <laughs> oh, uh, we'd, lo- we'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, like I'm seeing like as we're kind of joking about this, like what's going on in the back that they can't see. Like I see sticky notes up there that are just, you know, like prod someone, whoever's reading them at the end. Like, oh, do I need to do this? Like, have we achieved this goal? Like, you know,
0: what he's describing right now is Kristen is working in the corner. She's compiling a list of uh, contacts for her eco consulting company. And she's got her sticky notes on the wall of all her. What are they to do's?
1: Okay. Her so, sticky so, notes uh, are her, her social her, media planner.
0: Yeah. Oh, warmly. It's okay. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but it's in, great. It's yeah. great.
2: Like you, what you're starting to see is someone like take what's in their head and put it on paper. And that's half the battle. Like most people I know, like I love, like I joke with my mom, they, they have this uh vlog idea that she wants to do with my dad. Like they're getting to retirement age and they want to write uh they want to do a vlog of it's better with wine. and you know just talk about like food and wine because it's shit they love and it's like honestly if my mom just like writes it in a brief like i'll throw that to like a producer or like one of my friends who has like a camera set up like you know what i mean it's like if you just take that first step someone will meet you halfway to like make an introduction or do something for you and it doesn't matter like what industry you're in if it's emerging one like esports cannabis whatever like it it has it doesn't matter like how saturated it is if there's money in it for other people people like if you take that first step people will want to help you out i
1: was i was just thinking this idea just popped into my head uh, how funny it would be if (laughs) like at a retirement home that like there was people filming vlogs of like drama or like the goings-on of you know how funny it would be not very <laughs> not, not. I think it could be if you cut it right if, if you cut it if, right if
0: you cut it right and yeah. there are actors but if you like yeah shitty grandsons like you would you would legitimately need to put like an MTV style producer that like mixed shit up it was like you, Bethle, you have to fight with uh, Angelica you know what I mean like, <laughs> like Hill style yeah, production you would, you would, yeah you really, and, and even <laughs> then like oh, oh yeah the concept is there I can see what you're saying but I don't yeah. think I don't think with re- real uh, with real people there's too many consequences at that age. Like, Someone breaks a hip, they're dead. Yeah, death. They're like, okay, this actor is now dead, and like the family's crying, and there's no there's no comedy in that. Yeah. Death
2: cued us all. We we're all like, there's serious consequences. Death.
0: Yeah, um, but no, this is great, and I, I don't want to to beat a dead horse, um, but I think we really took the core nugget out of what maybe you you uh, had to offer with your story, for at least helping people uh, out coming up, and you made the comment about the twenty year old thing dude, I'm, I'm 27. Like the whole thing about being in your twenties is more like a mindset than anything. It's just the foundational years. And that's becoming later in life as things change. People have kids later, yada, yada, yada. But, um, what I wanted to ask before uh, before we, we wrap it up is there's one thing you guys wanted to talk about and it was something to do with, you said something with
1: weed, weed. Oh yeah. Um, well, I, I guess the, the one, one with the notes over there. Yeah, yeah. The one question that we were saving was, you made a comment to me before we started recording about how this morning, or, or I, actually, I don't know if it was this morning, this morning or whatever, whenever it was, that you had a coffee and you smoked a bowl before you went to the gym. Yeah. So how how does that work? You're you're also you're caffeinated, but you're also high at the gym working out like you forget your reps like, yeah. <laughs> break it all down that
2: just me. might be me i think there's uh like <laughs> look i'm not going to advocate for being like those people that just like get high and roam around public and
0: and whatever it's... but you're advocating for those people that get high <laughs> yeah there's there,
2: there's a certain threshold look i think uh canadians right now and if you're in a state where cannabis is legal we have a lot of different ways to consume cannabis like soft gels uh vapes uh like obviously dry flour um so one of my routines it's it's almost a ritual like saturday mornings i wake up i still wake up at around nine if i'm not hungover and i've actually stopped drinking as much um so you know that's more often than not you know my sleep-ins nine i wake up have a coffee and you know have a few puffs on my my vape and and start my day That means, you know, like being diligent about like reading something on the way to the gym, listening to a podcast, whatever that is. You know, Scott Galloway talks about, you know, know, everyone has a friend that's an investment banker. They work out six days a week. They, you know, work at the, or volunteer at the SPCA, like whatever that thing is, like assume you're not that person, but still strive to be that person that has balance and like is achieving those things. And I think it, you know, going into the gym and, and grinding it out like it's it's tough right mm-hmm. um so you know going in with you know a blended cannabis that's you know mostly cbd but still gets you a little high loosens up like makes the the pre like the pre and the post like a lot easier and i'll then, try
0: anything once yeah no <laughs> for sure
2: i'm and down. And, 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 yeah. and and the best thing is like we have we have so many choices right now like you you hit up our friends like at, strains yeah we, yeah you know you go to tokyo smoke and you can get You know, uh, I think it's ease it's a it's a mostly cbd it's it's what i smoke mostly I you probably go in there and
1: be like yeah what's the best for working out and they'd be like this yeah. guy right here <laughs> but the problem is the problem yeah. is sometimes like
2: someone will give you like a 15 like sativa or something and you'll just be a high as a kite like you you need to like you need to like have a balance right so you know i've i've been consuming cannabis for years now i had a medical card before legalization so i was able to like look at different formats soft gels things like that and say, you know, I can take a two and a half milligram soft gel of THC and CBD and then have a coffee, be a little high, but like be functional and be able to like do work, be focused on the task yeah. and Wait, achieve you something.
0: had medical, was that, was that one of those things where you legitimately had a medical thing or you're like, you know what, this is, I'm just going to get a medical card like they do in California. Yeah, it's glaucoma I'm not gonna, medication. I'm not, not <laughs> going to disclose that. Okay. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Glaucoma, bad back. Yeah. Sleep apnea or something. Well, no, like I I do struggle like getting to
2: sleep, and mm-hmm. you like what I've what I've noticed is you know a lot of people just say oh smoke a joint before bed and you'll sleep great. Like waking up in the morning, I'm foggy as hell, right? Right. Like you have to find what works for you. And for me, cannabis. Like if I'm going to consume anything that helps me get to bed, I'm going to consume it earlier on in the night. Like I go to bed late. I go to bed around midnight, when like one a.m. If I'm not consuming, so if I do want to consume cannabis and fall asleep, it's got to be around like. 9 30 10 so that by midnight i'm tired and i'll have like a restful sleep but not wake up cloudy
0: do you uh do you find it helps with work at all or do you just save it for the weekends and evenings
2: uh it depends like if it, it, it completely depends on on what what i'm trying to achieve if i need to buckle down and just do research or you know Think about a problem. I think it's helpful. But if you if yeah. you need it, like, there's no way I would try to lead a client workshop. Like, I wouldn't lead a client workshop drunk. I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't leave a client workshop high.
0: But I'd research things drunk. Ye- <laughs> okay, okay, it's <laughs> no, different. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that now. It's I'm actually probably no. Drunk is different. It's a. It's you're forgetful and you're. Uh, there's no performance enhancing thing thing to drinking except for making love.
2: I disagree with, like, everything that's about to come out of your mouth, but continue.
0: That was pretty much it. Make, <laughs> making love um, a pr- and, like, basically just anything where you have inhibitions. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like yelling, saying... Like, now- a big networking? Network, Network in, events, networking? yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, like, speaking with people at, at a party or anything like that, but... Pretty much, other than that, I don't think there's any cognitive. What you're disagreeing that you you make love better drinking?
2: No, I would say like if anything, like everyone has a collective history of like poor sexual experiences while drinking, too drunk, too drunk. But I think I'm too know, high too. I'm assuming too anyone who's worked in advertising knows that like there's a threshold between working while having a few drinks and it's between like two to three drinks where you'll come up with ideas, you'll start killing it and then like you get into the sauce a little more and then productivity. It's like those nights where, you know, you know you're buckling in for a late night, you go for a dinner with your creative partner or whatever the team and then like everyone's like flying high after two drinks and they've got it. And then someone busts out like the liquor, that they have in the office and then shit just goes downhill from there oh, there's yeah. like a threshold right like <laughs> yeah there's always these thresholds of like too drunk too high like you got to find it f- find your limit play within it
1: and i guess that's the nice thing about the whole weed le- uh, legalization is that going in to purchase uh you know any sort of weed or edible it's it's more broken down for you as opposed to relying on your dealer where he's just like i got some like sweet stuff. Yeah, ass we were going to talk right?
0: about this, right? You're going to say, you know, I got time if you guys got time. Yeah, we, we, we were gonna we were gonna talk about whether you can buy whether you should buy legal weed okay. or you still get it from your dealer.
2: Yeah, Robbie, you're making me nervous over there. He just
0: he's going to oh, put okay. the time counter up there.
2: Uh, there we go. Um, yeah, no, I think that's that's a great question, and people are going to make their own their own decision. But if we look at, you know. What legal cannabis is trying to achieve in Canada and I guess more broadly um, you know there's I think the the estimate is like the illegal weed market seven billion dollars mm-hmm. and when you consider that most licensed producers in Canada can grow legal weed at less than two dollars a gram or in or around that price like we're talking like a lot of weed is being sold illegally and that's you know it's helping unsavory people it's it's not really supporting you know what, what I think we're trying to strive for. And yeah, I think the, the quality of the weeds good. It's not fantastic. Uh, but you know, it's only going to get better if we support the, the legal industry.
0: So you're saying stop buying from your dealers, even if it's a little bit more convenient, like maybe it lives in your same apartment building or something. Or your roommate. Or your roommate. (laughs) And, uh, you have to say, Hey, sorry, roomy. I'm buying legal.
1: Even though maybe free. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, <laughs> okay, never turn down free never weed. Never turn That's down free steps weed. Steps <laughs> uh,
2: no, I like. What do you guys think? Like, I like. I don't know. I've been buying, you know, medical weed and then legal weed for like the past little
1: while. So
0: I don't. Uh, I honestly, I don't think I bought weed for ten, twelve years.
1: I've never purchased, or I haven't purchased any legal weed yet. Interesting. But why not? Uh, not ten, twelve, eight I, years. I just I don't Nine, speak six, or sorry, seven. I don't uh, I don't really smoke weed anymore. I mean like I'll I'll smoke it still, like when it's around, sometimes right. occasionally and certain occasions. Oh, but- that's
0: not true. I bought a bunch of weed for my buddies one time before a trip and they told me the dispensary to go to.
1: Oh, yeah. For, and, for the... And I had no idea what was going on. Is it a
0: legal dispensary? Or... I don't know.
1: <laughs> for the tournament. I remember last year, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh,
0: they, they said what to do. And I've never bought weed before. Um, like this. Like last time I smoked weed, bought weed was from a guy at university that lived in a residence. Gave him cash. And uh, so this was like a walk to the front door. No idea what's going on. Like security counter. Like totally new experience. Was
2: the weed like visible and they pulled it out of a jar?
0: It was like There was a security front door Okay You showed your ID To like uh, Like a hole in the wall And then they op- Doesn't sound legit Then <laughs> they opened a the door And then you walked inside And it was yeah. like Weed in jars
2: Yeah yeah So that was probably an illegal dispensary. And
0: the thing is They told me the stuff to say too Because I didn't know the, uh, the measurements The code words They were like the, No like I was like Yeah I just need like Fucking quarter pounder with cheese <laughs> Or you something know I mean? <laughs> like, Or fifth or whatever Yeah
1: And they Yeah Actually, Actually you know what I lied I have bought legal well actually it might it might have been or it might not have been a legal dispensary when i was in whistler over uh, over, over the christmas holidays but anyways there, there was just like a store pop-up the guy was if i
0: was gonna do it again i would i would get it something like that right and i don't know if that's legal how do you know if it's legal or not
2: well i think we've done a like in ontario it's a bit of a shit show i think they've closed most of the illegal dispensaries but when you even if you line up at tokyo smoke like you kind of feel like you're doing something naughty Like you have to line up outside and it's not just Tokyo smoke. It's honey pot. It's what what the fuck is it? Like cabana, no canna cabana, which ridiculous name, but like, (laughs) yeah, like you have to, you know, line up outside, you get ID'd and like the entire process. It's like, guys, like we know how to buy liquor in this, this province or in this country. Why are we treating cannabis as if it's this like crazy thing that we don't know? Like, for for decades like everyone knows like bc butts like great canadians smoke a lot of weed illegally and we're treating it like no like this is brand
0: new we have to see how people handle the weed yeah and everyone there everyone at that shop has smoked weed forever you know what i mean like everyone in line they're like i I need to wait in line my dealer lives in my building i'm doing you a favor You're not doing me any
2: favors. (laughs) No, I think, uh, you know, it's it's actually kind of this is my jab at conservative governments. Like you're you're supposed to be, you know, pro business, like small government, all that stuff. And they've totally, totally bungled uh retail and like regulations in this province like the fact that if i go visit my parents in markham and i want to buy weed that that municipality has opted out of selling weed like that's against my rights as a canadian to have safe legal access to cannabis full stop like that like a municipality can tell me what products i can buy like that's, that's federally legal that's federally legal that's an overreach by a municipal government yeah like 100 percent. and but you know this is this was built into bill c45 and it didn't get corrected uh with the latest like kind of round of regulations well, wasn't it a
0: liberal federal government that brought that it was they gave yeah.
2: way too they gave way too much power to provinces and municipalities in that legislation
1: i didn't know about that now
0: you know now you know no, I, I, we talk about it in a lot of episodes. I, I'm like, I want to be into weed. I just, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm, I think I've gotten become of a, a bit of a control freak since university, and it goes against. I don't know. I have to figure out the psychology of it. I want to like it. I just every time I think about doing it, I go, I'd rather not. I don't know why.
1: I love it. To it's be honest, it. I just, I don't really have a place for it in my sort of day to day. I don't know as of late so yeah
0: we'll figure it out we'll become stoners we'll work it out man I've but a modern stoner modern stoner functional yeah like I wanna have like I wanna wear like cool circular glasses in a beret
2: What's well, like it it's funny, right? Like uh what's his name, Spicoli from like Fast Times at uh yeah. yeah, Marley, yeah. Uh, Sean Penn. Like that is not like the average person that that no. consumes cannabis, right? So once once we move past that image or
1: you know yeah. the Cheech and Chong, I break the stigma.
0: I never met that person my whole life.
1: I I've seen one or two of them. I have. Um at high school? Oh really? Sure. Yeah.
0: I, my high school was a uh, not uh Nah, not really like that.
1: I definitely had a couple characters in my life. Like, But but you don't know if it's
0: the weed or if they're just like that. They smoke a lot of weed. I feel like if it wasn't weed, it'd be something else. Anyway, um, I think, yeah. I think, so your your opinion on that is, yeah, it might be inconvenient to buy legal, but buy legal because it's going to further that process along. Yeah it's better than going to criminals why not look
2: when the the amount of vape pens that i've bought illegally is high uh and the no fair intended yeah the but the variance in the product quality is huge Mm -hmm. and there's no there's no recourse what you can do ask like your drug dealer for a refund especially like when you're (laughs) buying these like from you know buymyweedonline.ca like yeah you know, like, that's an yeah. actual website you can look at. Silk Road? Yeah. Well, there's, no, it's, my, it's, on, it's, it's on the clear net. Like, it's it's, it's on, like, the internet that anyone could access on Google. So I sit there and I'm like, you know, you have some of these companies or businesses that are, like, making a decent product, and these people might want to go the legal route. They haven't had that opportunity yet, again, because of the regulation. But then, you know, you buy certain vape pens, and they're dog shit. Like, the, the product quality stuff... They're harsh. You don't know how they've been made, and they're just—they're not legal. So there's no recourse for you as a consumer.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm satisfied. I'm great. Yeah, that was a that was a cool episode. Um, we uh, we recorded the tips for your 20s at the beginning. Yes. So I'm gonna splice it into here. Right. But uh, basically, what's about to come up was something we recorded at the start of the conversation that happened organically. Um And it it was pretty jokes. It was kind of funny. So we kept it going. But what we'll record uh, now is just the outro. Yeah. That uh, we'll cut into after it. What I could do is I'm just going to slap this in at the tips of the 20s <laughs> at the end. Yeah. We can just talk about a hot take right now. <laughs> Dude, picking your nose, there could be hot takes on that for sure. Picking your nose. Do you nose?
2: pick your nose in public? when you're dating? When to fart? Oh, oh that's a hard oh. one. That's a
0: good one. Dude, that's it. Bro. That's it's it. Loki, I was there
2: with my friend when f- farted.
0: Just real quick, started <laughs> with his girlfriend for the first time.
1: All
2: right, start again. Okay, and actually listen, so this will be really funny. So him and his girlfriend, um, we were up at a
1: cottage and he we're all unpacking in this like tiny little like cabin it's like very rustic yeah. and he be- <laughs> he bends over to grab something and he farts right in her vagina <laughs> and he had never farted before and it was like the loudest stinkiest fart i've ever heard it was so funny and he just like popped right back up and she was just standing there and he's like well fuck that's the first time i've ever done that in front of
2: you
0: <laughs> and it was such a good first fart so, so should I beep out his name, or is that totally? No, cool? knows what he did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might still bleep that out, but also, sorry, what was his name once more? <laughs> <laughs> the the thing about the thing about that is he probably had been holding it for a long time because he hadn't been farting in front of her. That's oh, yeah. that's the only way you're bending over and one squeaking out like that. Uh, Three-hour cardra, right? He, he he can't do it um i do that sometimes at the gym though you gotta feel like that's building up though like three hour mm-hmm. card ride like if you've got a
2: fart that's gonna be loud stinky you gotta feel that brewing you gotta <laughs> be aware of
0: that and and
1: the thing i is, know right
0: i would find a way to do it at the at, you know what i mean i'd get out of the car and i'd,
1: I'd beander somewhere i got i got two comments to make one at the gym uh if you're gonna fart at the gym do you like, I my, don't do fart you like at the gym on purpose? Do you like myself you gotta pull out one ear from your headphone to like <laughs> monitor Wait, the loudness? Me, yeah. <laughs> you're telling
0: me you're telling me you fart at the gym on purpose?
2: I'd be occasionally okay if it's you know You don't clinch, like you just like you know what, I can like go the next I, twenty minutes or yeah. set or like go to the I'm w- in
0: a public space, I shouldn't fart in here.
1: <laughs> I'll just crop dust and then leave. You fart at the gym too. Jesus, <laughs> I, I live at I'm not going to the gym to fart. Um, okay.
0: I I mean,
2: I fart publicly, but I think everyone does it. In the
0: wind, in like an open mall where no one is, but at the gym, that's a bit, anyway. That's tough. But the real question is, when is it appropriate to fart in front of your significant other? That's the hot take. And for a guy, I'm going to be honest, pretty soon into it.
2: You, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. If you're not doing it really early on, you're just setting unrealistic expectations of the type of animal you are.
0: Uh, totally. Like, uh, honestly, for a guy, like, the second the second you know she really likes you and you're no longer testing the waters, that's the day you, you let a big stink go. <laughs> you know what I mean? A big stink. Or maybe it doesn't have to stink, but a big sound.
1: You know, something.
0: Something. The second you know, you're like, okay, this isn't just a tester relationship. Probably around four months. Yeah, I'd four to six months. Four to six months. You're like, okay, we're dating. This is it. We're together.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's also the time when you're going to start to be spending more time together, too. So it's like you can't be, you know, clenching what your cheeks. What about, like, the physical
2: around. rumble? Do you think that, like, if you're, you know, watching Netflix on the couch and there's some, you know, feeling to it, but it's
0: silent, is that less appropriate, more <laughs> appropriate? I think that the most offensive thing is always the smell. So it doesn't okay. doesn't matter the sound. But then for for the girl, it depends what type of guy you're with. But I'm gonna be honest, I had an ex, I never heard her fart once. Ever. And not that I did not that I said this isn't allowed. I just really appreciated the effort she put <laughs> into not knowing. Never, <laughs> not knowing.
2: <laughs> I think that's something you gotta bond over though. Like that sets up a relationship like at but least in some sort it. of way like there's like comedic effect right like you're in a fart like sorry you're in you're, you're in, in a fight <laughs> yeah you're in a fart no you're in a fight and someone farts like that either makes the other person so mad or just it's comedic and totally diffuses the situation
1: i think for the first one it it can't be one of those ones where where you're where you're sitting on the couch together and there's like a rumble and you just decide that's the time I'm gonna like squeak one out. Plus you're like you're sort of uh you're sort of Dutch ovening like the blanket that may be over you or something. <laughs> it's it, it's gotta be you know like you know you're you're just like in the kitchen or whatever and you're like I I don't know. It's you gotta be separated enough, you know. I you it's, know, it's, it's more of like a noise thing. And I'm just like,
0: gonna say it like that entire relationship. Not at, 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 at no point was I like I really wish she farted. You know, and I really enjoyed. And that was one of the things where, if you would ask me back, one of my fonder memories was <laughs> how she kept that sacred. You know what I mean? Like, because f- for women, you know, they're 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 attractive, hairless, you know, gorgeous, and they're so beautiful, and they're always scented well. And then once they let a rip go in front of me, that that all collapses. Yeah, but you're, not that I wouldn't put up with it. That's if one, you love person. That's only
1: one
2: way to view women.
1: Yeah, it's very binary. Kristen is holding up a sign. Right she, now her that sign says,
0: "I'm, I'm not, I'm a lesbian." You're a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you write that on a sign? Here we go. The <laughs> yeah. good thing, only thirty people watched the video that you held up your sign to the video. <laughs> no, her sign says, "Because I'm sexist." Uh, yeah You're just speaking your truth <laughs> no. <laughs> no I'm just I'm just saying what my ex did uh, And I appreciated it Not that If she didn't do it I, I would break up with her Wait, just, wait, wait I appreciated th- it Wait
1: so you're telling me Reflecting on the relationship The one thing that you, the, the, Yeah the, the, the one thing that you How wish How long were you guys together she for? Had it? Done. Oh not
0: very long uh, About four years You really <laughs> mi- <laughs>
2: You really missed in this relationship. Yeah. Over the last four years, I'm glad uh, we never shared farting in front of each other. Well, right. I fart all the time.
0: I Because, you know, and it's not like I ever was like, you can't fart. She just, that she preferred to not. And I just, I always remember liking that about her. <laughs>
1: You know, you kept her under strict no yeah. farting rule.
0: Well, we, we, the conversation never came up, but that's what. I'm, but I'm saying, once you on the girl side, on the guy side, you fart when you know she likes you. On the yeah. girl side, you fart when you know he loves you.
2: I don't. I look. I don't know. I don't I know if that's... I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with that at all. Like I would feel. I, I'm still self conscious farting in front of like buddies. No, kind of. Yeah, I think it's. You know, it. I mean, it depends on your relationship
1: with buddies too. I mean, like, there's a time and a place. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about yeah, it. Yeah.
0: Robby, you've almost murdered me sometimes. I feel like
1: what for <laughs> because I
0: farted or because, because you're, because yeah, the, the farts, they, something, I don't know. It, you, you had a rough period there where your bowels weren't working properly. You're out of it now, but there was a rough time there where I, 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 I will never forget <laughs> it
1: when we're in la when we're in la
0: specifically and the only reason i I remembered it so vividly is because we ate the same food every day morning till night and somehow it just went so wrong you know what
2: this there's something about i think robbie and i's shared experience of like going to a summer camp together where there were some guys who were really proud for like a week of not taking a poo on trip and, you know, they'd be like bunged up and then you'd go at the end of the trip, you know, 10 bucks, you go to McDonald's and then it's like, all right, like evacuate your bowels because <laughs> like that's just not going to sit in your body. And that bus smelled awful every time, oh, like, yeah. you know, like 14, 15 year old boys who haven't showered in a week. And then after a McDonald's trip and like two of them haven't pooped all week. First of all, two I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. And I don't know why it was always two, but there was always two guys in cabin of eight. Who wouldn't poop, and it was weird,
1: because because uh, the counselors and LITs would steal, <laughs> like feed you fucking minuscule portions. <laughs> you barely eat the whole trip. Yeah. If someone forgot a food bag, that'd yeah. be awful.
0: So okay, we didn't give any. I'm the only one here giving definitive tips, and then Kristen's over in the corner calling me a sexist, which I don't appreciate. Are right, we just need some definitive answers? I think you're safe as a guy when she likes you because it's a lot more socially acceptable and masculine typically not in this new you know whatever you want to whip it up over there in Christian's world for the girl it's just a little bit a little bit different just not a lot it's
3: it's
2: but it's a little, a little bit, bit, bit different it's i think it's different. i think it's funnier if the girl like if i'm in a relationship and she farts in front of me first like that's kind of her setting like the boundary and tone and i kind of like it i like it when it's like no like this is funny this is like what it is. And she sets that up versus like everything being on me to determine if it's like legit or not. Maybe
1: it's never happened to me. Yeah. You know what? I can't really, I I don't know. I've never had that happen to me. Um, so (laughs) my, my feelings towards it would say I, I'm siding with Trap. but only
0: experience based, you know what I mean? Experience based. Yeah. And I'm going to say it didn't go wrong. It wasn't a negative in the relationship. You know what I mean? So but I know many people that maybe would think opposite because they've had that experience, but in terms of my advice, we're talking about safety zones. If you're maybe a, maybe if you're a gassy person, you got to get that out of the way early. and you got to be like, this is who I am. So for that maybe that goes for both guys and girls and maybe Max just wasn't a gassy person. Yeah, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, that could be it. Good theory. I don't know. I'm That's- just
0: saying safety, you want to be safe? You can't... No fart could break up love. Are are, 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 are there
1: people that are less gassy? 100%. 1
2: billion percent, for sure. Totally, man. Depends on your diet. Yeah. So I I guess she
1: was a pretty clean eater, eh?
0: Yeah, you know what? I kind of feel weird talking about her in this manner all the time, but... (laughs) Yeah, let's just... Spend 10 minutes talking about your ex-girlfriend farting. Let's just... just, uh, I'm saying safe, safe zones to give it a definitive rule for in your 20s, when you're dating people... You want to make sure that it's all good. I think for a guy, you're good once he likes you. 100% for a girl, you're good once he loves you. No fart could break up love, you know? And then <laughs> anything before that, it's a gamble. That's a t-shirt. But it could go either way. You could yeah. fart and then if you get a, a boyfriend like yourself and you're like, that's hilarious. I like you even more. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe it goes the other way, but it's a gamble. You're, you're rolling the dice is all i'm saying
1: yeah i mean have you ever heard of a case of a a fart breaking up a relationship i'd love to google it i I wish kev was here
2: there's got to be like it happened on like a wedding day or something or just like in the ceremony silent or just like through like both families hated each other like afterwards something like
0: that (laughs) i'd love to google that uh too bad our our in-house producer is is he isn't he in the house isn't he upstairs yeah Oh, we just forgot to ask him to. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We gave him the day off. We gave the him the day, day off. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize it was his day off. Slackers. Okay, but I think that wraps it up. Safety zone, like and love, and then it's a gamble zone before that. Yeah. Could go either way, really good or really bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think. I think that's. I think that who you are a a hot person. tip for yeah, your twenties. How
1: comfortable you're feeling.
0: But it's funny because we we Tarantino'd this. We yeah. we actually recorded this tips for your 20 at the beginning of the podcast, you're now listening to it at the end of the podcast. That's why if you're watching the video, we have no beer in our cups. And now we're just going to go ahead and loop back. We're going to cut it right here. We're going to loop back to being the podcast and then you'll just hear the outro from here on out.
1: Yeah, I got the audio marker. So I guess what we'll start with is, is there any last plugs for Elemental or is there any final advice that you want to give our listeners? Nope.
2: If if you've watched this podcast all the way through, you don't need to hear my voice anymore. (laughs) That was a power move.
0: (laughs) I like that. Uh, Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. And we'll see you next Tuesday. I'm a bad, bad man. Don't you understand?